Hello everyone, and welcome to the From My Cup podcast. Here we will be diving into the gracious overflow of God's great wisdom within the Word. So without further ado, I'm Cassia. And I'm Corinth. And today we will be on the subject of devotion. So I guess I guess we'll start with um, reading a bunch of scriptures that we found because we found numerous scriptures on this subject and I guess we'll probably just go through reading those and see where we find ourselves. Sure. So I just I knew that James talked about this subject a lot so I went through James and ended up writing down like a full third of the <laughs> of the book because it's it is what he talks about throughout the whole thing. So I'll start with James 1 21 through 27. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets the manner of man he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of this work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious, but does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. I think one note that I wanted to make is um, we have to stop treating religion like a bad word in the church. I've been hearing that so much. Like anytime somebody says the word religion and I hear so many Christians go, oh, it's not a religion. It's a relationship. And I'm like, but there is religion to it. There's there's nothing dirty about religion. It's not a bad word. My personal definition, I mean, right there we have God's definition of uh, religion is to visit the orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. My personal definition of religion is it's the things you do that represent your faith. And so I think the point that just has been coming up so much in my life um, is kind of the same point that I made in the last episode where you are religious no matter what. It just depends on what your religion is because each and every one of us is going to act out what we believe and you want to make sure that you're acting out what you truly believe, you know, because you're going to be devoted to something. You want to make sure it's devoted to what you truly believe. You're going to be keeping communion no matter what, like we were talking about. And so I think all of us are religious, you know, uh, just depends on what your religion is it, because it depends on what you believe and you're going to act out what you believe and you're going to um, do things that represent that. And that's not a bad thing at all. And I, I, you know, I'm just personally very sick of people acting like that's a bad word. It's not a bad word. You know, if anybody ever asks me if if I'm religious, I'm like, yes, I am. (laughs) I sure hope that I am. (laughs) I hope that I'm known as a religious person because um, what we're talking about here is being a doer of the word. It's not enough to say that you believe and, you know, the scriptures that we're reading are going to dive into that so much more. But just that little snippet of I'm just so sick of people treating religion like it's a bad word in the church because it's not. We should be religious. It just shouldn't be the beginning and the end of it. 
to buy product. Exactly. Well, I think like the big fear with uh, Christians a lot of the time is being compared to the past or being compared to other religions. And yeah, what you miss a lot of the time with Christianity, especially just like with the focus of nowadays, is we don't have devotion in the religious sense that you know you mm-hmm. you look at like any other religion and it's pretty uh hardcore <laughs> they yeah they have deep rooted devotions that you have to follow or else you're not you're not really serious in any of your in your walk in your faith these are the things mm-hmm. people are looking to see when they when you say like oh i'm christian or whatever or whatever without any other religion you know and i mm-hmm. i think it's strange that christians want to remove themselves from that I, yeah i do too i hear that a lot where it's like can you believe this person's a christian and they talk about it like that's a good thing like you never would have guessed this guy was a christian turns out he is yippee and i'm like that's not a good thing you know, it should show. Um, I know this one story in the family. My, uh, our grandparents, <laughs> not just mine, <laughs> our grandparents were um, on a train one time and our aunt has downs and this uh, young Jewish man came over and, and he was very politely asking questions about our aunt who has downs. And um, he had only been there for a couple of minutes. They hadn't said anything about their faith, hadn't said anything about God. And he said to them, are you Christians? And they said, yes, we are. We're ministers. And he said, I could tell. That's good. And I was like that. Yeah. I was like, that's a really good thing. Like you want that experience, you know, just some complete stranger. Yeah. I could tell you were a Christian. And it's like, what, what defines that? And I think it's, um, I mean, we're going to dive into it with the more scriptures. Right, right, right. But I think, um, you know, your intentions show. Uh, I don't think it's so much about saying the coined phrases, you know, dressing a certain way. It's not really about that. It's about what comes from your heart. Mm-hmm. And we act like that's so hidden, what's in your heart. Nobody can truly know it, but you end up living it. And that's the kind of the whole point of devotion is you're going to end up living out what's in your heart. It's going to end up showing in the way that you talk, the things that you talk about. Even if you're not directly talking about God, even if you're not directly talking about the Bible, it's going to end up showing. Right. So it might as well be the um, devoted uh, religion that God has set out for you to follow. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Better than than the cultures of this world. My goodness. It's it's just to... (laughs) bring us around to the whole point why we wanted to bring this up is you have to be devoted and you have to be religious Mm -hmm. and you have to do it or else they're not going to know and they need and people need to know uh i don't know Mm -hmm. i can't say the exact scripture unfortunately but when it talks about having to be ready to say why you're hopeful like what's your hope and everything else it's because mm-hmm. they're going to ask you because they're going to see it. They should mm-hmm. see it. And it's why you have to be prepared for it is because they sh- people should see you and be like, why are you so this way? They can tell that you're mm-hmm. otherworldly, that, that there's something in you that most people don't have. And they're, and people not seeing it is not a good sign. 
No, no. Yeah, that's like, um, I was thinking the other day, um, I don't remember very many times in my life that I've ever told anyone that I was a Christian. Um, I think it's only been a couple of times that I've actually blatantly uh, blatantly made that statement, but somehow that always ends up being known. <clears throat> and the day I realized that, I was like, "Wow, that's a that's a good thing. <laughs> I'm very proud yeah. of that." Um, but it's it's something like my mom says with people that want to get involved in ministry, and you know, asking like, "Oh, how do you get involved in ministry? How do you open up the conversation with people?" Well, when you are actively in your word. <clears throat> excuse me, when you're actively in prayer and you're, you're tending to your devotion, you're tending to your own faith, people will end up seeing it and people will ask you. I don't think there's ever been a time in my life and I'm not, you know, a practiced minister, so I'm not the best right. example, but <laughs> I, I don't know any time in my life that I've like gone out and was like, I'm going to talk to this person about right. God. Yeah. But there have been many times in my life where I don't even know how in the world they asked me, but people started asking me what I believe in God, what I believe in, in the Bible and truly listening to me. And I think the only reason that they truly listened to my answer was, I mean, first of all, they were the one that asked the question. I wasn't the one who went out and was like, you need to hear what I have to say. Right. But I, I honestly don't know with any of these conversations, how they even started, how they even came to me and started talking to me about that. And I can always tell the difference. You know, the only time those conversations happen that people come up to me and ask me questions is when I have been so dedicated to the work, to the word, excuse me, and to prayer because of what was going on in my life. And I was tending to my own spirit and my own spirituality, my own uh, relationship with God. That is the only time I've ever said anything to anybody that could qualify as ministering. Mm. When I'm not in that devotion, which I haven't been lately, which is why we started this podcast to kind of get both of ourselves back into that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't have those conversations, you know? People can, people because, can sense God yeah, when go you're, I, cause I've had so many uh, situations like that as well, where people are like, I don't know why I'm telling you this, or I don't know why I'm confiding mm -hmm. in you, or I don't, I don't know why you just seem trustworthy. It's, it's not you. It's they, they can sense their creator is near because that's the whole point of our job as ambassadors. You don't have to be a ministry, but you do have to be ready to be uh, a ministry worker when you go outside and you just are in the world because that's literally the call. That's the life. I think that there's, yeah, that's the, the great yeah, mission. there's such folly in that because I think that comes around to that religion being a dirty word is that so many Christians mm -hmm. want to deny Christ when they're going around outside. They don't want the attention, but yeah. it comes with the territory. And I'm, I don't, I say that because I've been there, you know, it's kind of, it's hard. It's not easy, mm -hmm. but, and that's, it's not like they're thinking like, oh, I want to deny Christ, but mm -hmm. it's more just, yeah, like you in know, the moment you can't stand up to it. Yeah. Yeah, and just, just to say really quick, the stuff that we're talking about is not us pointing our finger at anybody else. This is us Absolutely, talking about stuff yeah. that's relevant to our life. And this is literally just a conversation being like, this is what God's been working on me with lately. So our perspective is from... Personal is, failure, at least. Yeah, yeah. Relates to our lives, yeah. 
prepared. Okay. So for our next scripture, I'm going to read James 2, 14 through 26. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But some will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. You know what's crazy about that when I was reading that? I was like, I feel like I've been around so many Christians that just reading that, they would think that I was um, blaspheming or something mm. by reading that. Mm. Because I think I think um, throughout history, the Christian church, we go back and forth, and we've talked about this many times, but the church has a tendency to go back and forth between its devotion and its freedom, like focusing on living out the Christian life or its, fo- its focus on... Um, that everything is by God alone and by grace alone. And it's like, these aren't opposite thoughts, but typical human nature, we have a tendency to gravitate towards one side or the other. And I think right now in the church, certainly in the American church, we're in this very loose sort of a Christianity because it's like, well, you know, you're only saved by your faith in Jesus. It's all God that did it. It's all Jesus. It's all dependent on his grace, which is very much true. I do not mean to contradict that at all. That is absolutely true. But so then they throw everything else out. And it's like, no, you can't, you can't throw everything else out. And I think there's this, mm, just this extreme yeah. lack of reverence in most Christians' lives. And to the point that when I was reading that, I was like, that's that's so funny that this almost feels like feels like something so many Christians nowadays would disagree with as I was reading it. Yeah. Because he says, do you think faith alone can save you? And it's like, well, yes, but, but it's, it's more than that. And I think, I think the definition, I like, he gives the definition there because he says, you, you believe in God, you believe in Jesus, you do well. So do the demons, Right. you know, like the demons know more about God and Jesus than we do. Even they've, they've known him much longer. And they're terrified of him. Are they saved? No. You know, it's it's that devotion to Christ. It's that giving right. your life to Christ that marks salvation. And that that has to produce works. It's not by works, but it has to produce works. And if you're not seeing that, which you found a bunch of scriptures about um, what you should be seeing 
in the church, what you should yeah, be absolutely. seeing in Christians. You know, it says, Jesus says over and over, you will know them by their works. You will know them by their fruits. And if you, you know, if you find yourself, as I have found myself multiple times in my life, where I'm not seeing this description of my own yeah. life, it's like, ooh, yeah. I'm in trouble. I better, <laughs> I better get myself back to where I need to be so that my faith is once again grounded in Christ. It doesn't mark, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't create salvation. Salvation comes from Christ, but it, it marks it. Yeah. It marks your faith. It marks your Christianity. One moment. That what you said that, um, the sudden, you know, when you're reading the scripture and that conviction, that's not from us. That's the spirit working in Mm -hmm. us, you know, um, when you get born again, it's not immediate, you know. I mean, it's, some things are, but you're going to struggle with other things, and for good reason, because pain is a great teacher. <laughs> We're stuck in this world as but, long as uh, we live it, so we have to tend to our salvation. You know, we don't get to be the thief on the cross right? who converted and then died immediately <laughs> and got to go to heaven immediately. Well, yeah, you know? of course can happen, but... Oh, yeah, it happens all the But, time. you know, if you... There's definitely, there's scriptures that warn um, of sending Christ to the, to the cross a second time and losing your salvation, which I definitely think is a oh, thing, absolutely. though that is also controversial. Yeah. But it's, it's, all, it's always possible as well to um, fall off the wagon and get right back on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're still wrestling against the flesh and... Um, that's not to be uh, forgotten. <laughs> yeah, it just it just goes back to the the concept that I keep on repeating that you're you're holding communion no matter what. You're devoted to something no matter what. You have a religion no matter what. And if you're not actively making it Jesus Christ and his gospel, it will end up being something else because we're porous because we have we have sin born into us. And it's constantly trying to pull us away. I mean, just, it's like, that's not even a debatable topic because it's like you and I know, (laughs) you know, just like look at your everyday life and how much, how much you're being uh, pulled away constantly, how much you're being enticed into sin constantly, how much you're being surrounded by all this bad theology. Can you hear my cat meowing? I'm going to have to let her out in a minute. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to let her out in a minute because she's yelling at me. But you, you know, you're, you're being drawn away by this bad philosophy and by these bad practices constantly. And if you're not making sure that what's in your heart is the practices of Christ, then something else is going to take its place. But, you know, just in general, with everything that you do, it's so easy nowadays to fall into bad thinking and getting coded wrong, just watching the wrong YouTube video mm-hmm. in your leisurely time. I, yeah, there's, there's a lot of devotion. Yes, I think it takes more so now, even, because there's always oh, it's been terrible. It's terrible. there's going to be the threat of neglect no matter what neglecting your faith 
But I think we live in an age that we're so drawn away because we're so surrounded. I mean, it's in everything. You cannot get away from it at this point. You know, and I've, I've talked to Christians about certain certain topics, you know, even just like coarse joking and people are like, oh, well, that's everyone. And it's like that that doesn't have to be, though. That's not a good reason. Yeah, that's not something to accept. Yeah. It's not supposed to be that way. And the more that we say, well, that's life, the more it's going to be, you know? But that's a whole other topic for another day. I just keep on getting off on that because right. it's so bothering me right now. Well, it just shows a lack of, it shows a lack of devotion. Yeah. It's, I have some scriptures up that we'll get into later that are, um, that are about um, discernment that God's equipping us to be, to be able to discern. Um, I had written down that you're not always going to have the time to go and go off and pray about everything. Mm -hmm. And that you're going to, you're going to need that wisdom that you devoted yourself to in, in theory, (laughs) in, in hopes Mm -hmm. that you've devoted yourself to, to be able to discern right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's going to... Yeah, because those times are coming, period. Yeah. So you you need to be prepared because those times are coming yeah. no matter what. I can vouch for that. <laughs> you need to be able to step outside and at any given moment be able to call upon Scripture and the Spirit mm-hmm. to help you to know Absolutely. where to step because it can get really sticky really quickly. Mm-hmm. These, and it's going to. These days even more. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, exactly like you just said, that's where the the devotion part comes in. Because if you're not, if you're not actively in the scriptures by yourself, if you're not actively in prayer by yourself, then you're not prepared. You're just not, you know, you can't like the, the age old saying, you can't get to heaven riding on the uh, pastor's coattails. No, or anybody else. You just can't. Yeah. yeah, or anybody else's. It's not enough to get your doctrine from other people. I know so many Christians, genuine Christians. I'm not discounting their what faith they have, and I'm not discounting their um, salvation. Many genuine Christians that their source of understanding of God, their source of doctrine is what they hear from other people. That is so dangerous. That is yeah. such a slippery slope. That goes back to the religion being a dirty word. They want the mm-hmm. pastor to do all the work for them. Um, yeah. I I did had I had written in our notes and then that they want to critique everything he does. Yeah, I had made the comment that faith doesn't just happen to you. Yes. Um, I mean, yeah, you get you get your salvation, you get that like Kickstarter with God, and you, you know you. Okay. I feel like that's a lot of people's experiences, though it doesn't happen for everyone. Where yeah, you have that one moment where you're saved and on fire, but. It's like, yeah, buying a pretty plant from the store that's really nice and healthy, and then suddenly you realize that it, you need to fertilize it and water it and give it enough sunshine, or else it's going to fade away. <laughs> yeah, that is the perfect that is the perfect example that you just gave, because that is literally Jesus's example. And right, now right. I wish that we had found that scripture, and I just thought of it, <laughs> and I didn't think to look it up in our preparation. But when he talks about um, the seeds on the different kinds of grounds, there what? are yeah there are yeah. A, a couple of different um several different actually uh parables that he gave in that moment where people received the word with joy and the cares of this world 
trials and tribulation, even just plain neglect yeah. drew them away. It's like, I don't even know how you can deny that you can be drawn away from your salvation. Mm. But, <laughs> but honestly, that was like spot on because that's exactly what Jesus said about it. You know, well-nourished soil is how that believer comes to fruition. Because if you're not, if you're not nourishing yourself and you're not taking the time to at least keep the communion and be nourished by those around you, then right. you're going to dry up. You and just wh- are. And what is Jesus always looking for? Fruit. Mm-hmm. What happens when, you know, that plant isn't bearing any fruit? You get cut yeah, off. You get, yeah, he you threatens get to out. cut it down. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very scary business. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> that's not <a laughs> we don't want to get there. <laughs> Heaven forbid I ever find myself there. I feel like I've been close a couple times. Oh, oh, without a doubt. I feel like he's probably yeah. even weeded me up a couple of times and then <laughs> came back around. He's like, "Are you ready now?" He's up there chuckling, like, <laughs> "Yeah." <laughs> of all the pruning I've done. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank yes, you. exactly. Very thankful for that. Yes. Yeah. But um, let's go into your next scripture that you got. Okay. Okay. James 4, 7 through 10. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. I love um, I, I love uh, the part where it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I think a lot of people miss that because we also have Jesus say, uh, talking about um, when you seek out God. And he says, you could not seek him out unless he was first seeking you out. But God has already sought us out. He's already made that invitation. And we see over and over again, talked about how after that invitation, after he sought us out and drew us in, now it's up to us to draw near to God and then he will draw near to us. And I only have this one scripture, I think, saying that. Yeah. I believe I might be wrong, but I know that that's said over and over and over in the new Testament, especially after, um, after Jesus went back to heaven Mm -hmm. over and over and again, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Like we have to take the first steps. And I have, um, a couple of little quotes here that I just wanted to read off real quick because I thought they were great. Um, act and God will act by Joan of Arc. And then another one by C.H. Spurgeon. If we deal seriously with our sin, God will deal gently with us. And obviously those aren't doctrine, but those are said by people who've lived this out. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to add those real quick. They're definitely words of wisdom. <laughs> yeah. It, I think it ties back into that um, really well that faith doesn't just happen to you. God doesn't owe us anything. Mm-hmm. And that I feel like that is taught a lot nowadays, especially. Um, it's kind of... Just yeah, like he's a genie in a bottle. Yeah. like You do the right thing and he'll answer your prayer. And it's like, no. Like, yeah, show up on Sunday, listen to a sermon, and you'll get a magic recipe for, you know, mm-hmm. 
like oh you're gonna get rich yeah you've showed up to 50 (laughs) you've showed up to 50 sermons now so now you're suddenly (laughs) you're suddenly going to gain you've reached premium level yeah (laughs) you know it's sad because i think you know if you say that anybody would laugh at it and be like obviously that's ridiculous but i think a lot of people end up living that way yeah they just it it still doesn't happen like they laugh like oh that's that's obviously ridiculous but they're not doing it and oh i'm not doing it like (laughs) gosh going back to that like it's been me like i still don't understand that you know that prayer of oh lord like help me like help like basically do it for me (laughs) like Mm -hmm. because well yeah of course you can't but you have to put in the work God's not just going to magically snap his fingers and you're suddenly going to have self-discipline. It's just not going to happen yeah, Faith that is way. a verb. Yes. Faith is a verb. <laughs> it's an action. Mm-hmm. And that's said over and over in these scriptures as well. I think I only have one more scripture and then I think it's all you. I believe. Am I right? It looks like I am it. right. Hopefully, oh, hopefully I'll get I the chance to read them all. Oh, yeah, we have plenty of time. I just met with Emmy. Okay, sorry, I went to the bottom of the page on accident. Okay, last scripture from me, 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. Beloved, I beg of you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. I love the word pilgrim because mm-hmm. I think a part of it as well is one of the main things that you see nowadays is Christians wanting a normal life, desiring mm-hmm. that normal life. And you really do have to put that away in some some forms because it, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have it. It doesn't mean that God's not going to be there. I mean, he promises over and over again that the last thing you need to worry about is what you're going to eat and what you're going to be wearing because, you know, mm-hmm. look at everything else. And he, yeah. But And he doesn't even, like, say that our desires for those things are wrong. No, it's just that. You know, he says, God, God knows the desires of your heart. Seek first the kingdom of heaven, and these things will be added to you. It's not like you can't have it. Yeah, but it just can't be your focus. It's just you're a pilgrim here. You're, this isn't your home. You're not supposed to settle yeah. down in your heart, on, in this life, and you can't cling to it. It's going to make everything easier. All the pain you're gonna face. It's a part of the promise. If you're devoted in the spirit, you know. I love the the hymn. It says, and. <laughs> And the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light mm. of his glory and grace. It is so true. There just comes moments. That, yeah, that like rocks me to the core every time I hear yeah. it. <laughs> it just, there comes a moment where, yeah, there's just times where the world just melts away and you, and you see it from a higher place and you're just blessed because you see that you can walk in a plane above the worldly things that held us down hold us down like emotionally all the time mm-hmm. so yeah I love the There's word also, pilgrim yeah yeah it's it's the right word you know that's exactly what we are mm-hmm. it's not our home um, one thing I remember 
Corey Tunboom said that I think really fits everything that you just said. Um, she said, I've held many things in my hands and everything that I held in my hands I've lost, but everything that I put into God's hands that I still have. Amen. And nobody could say that better than Corey Tunboom because she lost (laughs) it all repeatedly and still had her faith and had her relationship with God because that was in his hands. Yeah, she's such a great figure for that. Hmm. For devotion, yeah. She's a really good example for devotion. And and what God's when you put Jesus on and you and you ask for his heart, what that really does. And it's the thing that people yeah. see that is like, oh, you really aren't from this world. Oh, this Jesus thing is for real is when mm-hmm. they see like here is a victim of the Nazis taking care of ex Nazis. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the most smuggling Bibles as if she hadn't been in enough danger. Oh, right. Absolutely. <laughs> You know, complete side story um, of Corey Ten Boom. I heard her talking about uh, when she stayed in a hotel room when she was involved in the underground. Um, and she said that this was during, you know, the, during the World War. And she said there were there were uh, spies everywhere. Everything was being listened to. Everything was being documented. And she knew that the uh, the lamp had a bug in it. And so she went over there and she had her nightly devotion in the scripture and she had her nightly prayer right into the um into what she knew was a was a bugged lamp. That is and um <laughs> she said she told whoever was listening how to be saved. She told them the you know the whole gospel. She explained it all to them. And she said she was able to speak openly when so many people weren't. She said because she never talked about politics. She never got involved in what was going on at the time. So they could never actually shut her down because nothing of what she was saying um, could be called, you know, propaganda, really. Uh, nobody could ever. It wasn't it wasn't against anybody that they could go get her and, and put her in prison again. She said she only ever talked about God and she only ever talked about the gospel and that's why she was allowed to do what she did. Amen. Because that was her focus. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I, I just love that story. <laughs> that is amazing. I did not know that story. Alrighty. Well, one of the scriptures that I had written down was 1 John 1, 5 through 7. It's a pretty well-known one. Now this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. And there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from sin. We cannot claim to have fellowship with Jesus or one another and continue to walk in darkness. And I'll I'll specify continue to make plans to sin you know what i mean like making provisions for the flesh like if you're laying down at night and you're dreaming of all the ways you're going to sin tomorrow there's something Mm -hmm. if you're if you're scheming in your heart 
how you can get away with sin. Mm-hmm. There's something broken. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that um, that you just read, practicing the truth. Yeah, yes. That, that wording there, the, the Bible you could sit and study for the rest of your life. Don't ever think that you've read enough of the Bible because... Oh, no. There, the subtle, you should be studying it for the rest of your life. The subtle wording is not to be uh, set aside. Yeah, the words were chosen that way for a reason. Mm-hmm. I also, just as a quick note to different kinds of Bibles to be reading, I mm-hmm. I'm definitely a big advocate for trying out different ones as you can tell i'm not in the king james um mm-hmm. just because the the greek and the hebrew the bible was originally written in written in is so much more complex than english and there's mm-hmm. and those words have so depth of meaning and that yeah yeah if you've ever studied latin which i did for um, a year, a couple of years. Mm-hmm. There, yeah, their words have just cover so much more than ours do. Mm-hmm. So there's, yeah, there's so much more meaning. And that's definitely not something you should do on your own. You should find a good scholar, which I've done a few times, and oh my gosh, it blesses somewhere deep down in the soul. Listening mm-hmm. to these guys love Jesus and love the original stuff, and and the spirit will give you wisdom on that, absolutely for sure. And if you never do, that's also okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God has put a remarkable amount of care into preserving his word, even through all the different translations. I mean, it's 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 remarkable the accuracy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Despite, you know, despite the the amount of change that has to happen through translation. He has truly cared for his own word in that sense. And even if the words are lacking, um, mm-hmm. the spirit's not. It's still his anointed yeah. word, and he's still in it, no matter where you go in it. Yep. Um, another scripture that I found, just because I had a lot of these spitfire ones in here. Um, so then, brothers, oh, it's, sorry, it's Romans 8, 12 through 16. And it is, so then, brothers, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put death to the deeds of the body, you will live. All those who are led by the Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And the, There's uh, so much power in that passage right there. Yeah, it's... Romans is... Whew, I'm not gonna, it's, it's a wild one, that one. But yeah. um, if by the Spirit you put the death, the deeds of the body, and um, I... I put emphasis on that because um, we're not capable of doing anything God asks us to do strictly on our own. Mm. That's the great thing about Jesus is we don't realize that the very things that he helps us get out of our lives is a testimony to that he is present 
and is real to others mm-hmm. because you're not going to see it anywhere else the way God does it. Yeah. Yeah. So the spirit of God liberates us from the flesh and the deeds of the flesh, which the flesh being the, what carries the curse of Adam, sin, death, everything else. And um, whether you are led by the spirit or not testifies against you for or against you. So whatever is going on, like if you're not devoted on a day-to-day basis, if it's not getting down to a personal level, if if God's not seeing it, you know, in your most intimate of intimate moments, then there's you're not there yet. <laughs> Maybe you can you can be saved and not there. Like that's the ever-growing battle. Yeah. But you need to be striving for that point. Yeah, because it, it goes back to, you know, it says over and over again, man looks man looks at the outward person, but God looks at the inward person. Oh, right. right, right. And it's like your, your standing with God is dependent on where you are at in your heart, mm. but you manipulate your own heart. If you're not manipulating it towards Christ – it's going to be manipulated towards the thing of this world. And that's really just, you know, the point that we keep on saying over and over again. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, you're, you're saved by faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. That is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of whether or not you truly believe it. But you have to sustain that faith or you're going to lose it. It's just mm-hmm. that simple because you're going to be enticed away. Right. Yeah. And, um... But what does that look like, you know, to be led by the Spirit? And for that, I have a few more, starting in Galatians five sixteen through 25. Uh, my brothers, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, and I, and they're obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. So these fruits that Jesus is looking for in you are his characteristics. The love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness. And the one that always catches me off guard is self-control. And that one covers uh, a big portion of the flesh and and what we, when what I think Christians probably skip over a lot of the times, is, you know that mm-hmm. that's that's gluttony, that's uh, sexual sin. A lot of things. Yeah, yeah. It's your speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the things you're willing to laugh at. I think that's something that's so discounted uh, in today's society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think people they don't realize how much it affects the people around them but if you if you have somebody that you look up to in your life and then you hear the jokes that they laugh at it it really turns your stomach i know i've experienced that a lot 
And it's like even those little things that we in our foolishness call little, those matter a lot. Yeah, just because you know, I've met just because humans downplay that doesn't mean God's not listening and has a has some feelings about that. Yeah, if if your instinct is to laugh at something really vulgar like that, then that means that it has a place in your heart. And even though I think a lot of people wouldn't reason that out because they just plain wouldn't take the time to reason that out, they still know that, mm-hmm. you know? And I have seen so many situations where somebody who's testing Christians, you know, I've met so many of these people that there's a part of them that wants to believe in God, mm-hmm. but they're so sure that it, it's wrong and it's false. And so they'll see if they can lead these people who claim Christianity to them down the road of saying things they shouldn't say, laughing at things they shouldn't be laughing at, stuff like I've seen it so many times and watching and watch so many people and myself fall and pray to it. I had a friend and, like and that. thinking that's yeah, that's such a reason for them to convince themselves that God isn't real, to convince themselves yeah. that none of this matters. Yeah, and they're looking for that because those things matter way more than we're giving um, enough credit to. This is why devotion is so important and that's why we're talking about it but i was also going to say because it will correct it yeah yeah this is how you this is how you yeah this is how you stay away from these pitfalls but i was also going to say on self-control i don't want people to start thinking like oh every thought every notion that they get within themselves ultimately means something straight to hell (laughs) yeah right or is saying something about because you know you're also dealing against the flesh and what mm-hmm. and what these scriptures are saying what i just read is that you're not bound to that flesh and you're still going to deal with it and those things are still going to pop up that's no testament to you um but having self-control over that is what's important over your thoughts because you can reject thoughts that yes. aren't coming from anywhere the enemy is always trying to get something into your heart project something not Intrusive thoughts are very real. Yeah, and can be from the enemy. And it could have just been like the slightest thing popped up in the corner of your eye and all of a sudden here's this horrible thought. You have self, mm-hmm. you have all power and authority over that thought. That is the, mm-hmm. one of the biggest places we actually for real have authority. I know that word yeah. is abu- used and abused all over the place nowadays. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> this is the authority you have and that is mostly over yourself, over the flesh, and over whatever mm-hmm. the enemy might try to project onto you. And when you start trying to put self-control into practice mm-hmm. and practicing the truth, you will find so much more temptation than you had before. <laughs> like this stuff, this stuff, you're going to be like, wait, where does, where's this coming from? You know, you're going to be having these thoughts that you're like, hold on. Right. Where did this come from? Because, yeah, that temptation is going to be trying to convince you to not, to not do it. But it's just... It's a matter of, of practicing it, you know? Mm-hmm. It the, That fight never stops. That practice never stops until we die. Yeah. That's why Paul says the, the crown is not given to, um, uh, what is it, the swift or something else, you know, I don't remember it. Mm-hmm. But it's not about how fast you run um, or how well you run. It's about who finishes the race. Mm-hmm. That, that's what he says. Mm-hmm. It's about who endures to the end. That's that's gonna, um, that's the ticket 
is to endure to the end. So you're gonna you're gonna fail and you're gonna mess up. There's and it's just it's never gonna stop. More than enough mercy <laughs> around and more mercy to you, you know, when you are with Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Yeah, that quote I, I read by Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. You know, if we deal seriously with our sin, God will deal mercifully yeah, with us. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's, you know, that's very much reflected in the scripture. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why I put it there. Because even though it's not doctrine, it's it's a good summarization of what we see over and over and over again mm-hmm. in the scripture. You know, if, if you deal seriously with this stuff, it's not even if you succeed in dealing with this stuff. It's if you deal seriously with it, God mm-hmm. will deal very mercifully, yeah. mercifully with you. So another uh, scripture that I have is Romans 12, 1 uh, 1 and 2. Therefore, my brothers, by the mercy of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be condemned to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And this is where I was saying that God equips us with the tools to live, you know, we are, we're, so we're able to discern God's will when we're in these like tight situations where the Bible might not specifically outright say anything on it, you know, about that, that offhanded joke. And you don't know if you are devoted in the spirit and you're constantly being led in the spirit and your life is aligned that way you're going to know you're going to have that ability to discern i break up the romans scriptures with hebrews 4 1 therefore oh before i go into hebrews um this is talking about when israel was 40 years in the desert and they kept breaking the covenant with him and being disobedient that God swore in his anger that they shall not enter his rest, that the Sabbath day represents. And this is what it says. Therefore, while the promise to enter his rest remains, let us fear that none of you should miss it. And then I, and then uh, scripture nine, there remains a rest for God's people. For the person who has entered God's rest has rested from his works, just as God rested from his let us make every effort to enter into that rest so that none of you, um, that no one of you will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. And it's this lost art of the Sabbath day rest that um, God has given us a word about, that we are to labor today, every day, to enter into that rest that is still open to us to enter into. But being devoted to that labor to enter into God's rest daily, it keeps you from going into a pattern of disobedience that keeps you from his presence. And it is an extremely important walk to take because not it's also promising something else that's really great, and that's rest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think... Um... Tying in again with what we said last time, how it's easy to feel like all of these commands of God is just like to make life more challenging. Mm. And that's not the case. It is 
a command and we should respond to it as a command and we should view it as a command. But it's it's also just plain the guidebook to life. You know, God mm-hmm. created this life and he says this is how it works. And so if we try to make life work for us outside of that, it's going to be nothing but chaos and confusion and exhaustion, you know? Mm-hmm. That's um literally yeah that's um that's literally the curse in genesis that he gives Mm -hmm. to men is that you will toil all the days of your life and you'll have nothing to show for it but thorns but as Mm -hmm. christians in christ we've been freed from that curse that has that is said over and over again and unfortunately you know i wasn't planning on going down this road so i didn't pull up any scriptures for that but mm-hmm. that's said over and over in the scriptures that we are we are free from that curse. We're saved from that curse. I mean, that's what salvation is. And um, if you try to do this whole life thing without God's rules, you're going to work and work and work and have nothing to show for it but disappointment and frustration and pain. You know, so these these mm-hmm. laws aren't to make life more frustrating and painful and difficult. It's this is how you get joy and joy more abundantly. You know, mm-hmm. this is how you get to where your cup is overflowing. And it's not that that should be the end goal. The end goal should be obedience to God. But th- there's no there's no true joy or satisfaction or having life work for you outside of these rules because he's the one that made them. He's the one that made this right. life. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. like trying to say that you can work outside the laws of nature. You know, God created mm-hmm. the laws of nature. God created the laws of science. God created the laws of society and psychology. And he's saying this is how it works. And those that truly pursue it, you know, I can speak for the times in my life that I have I've truly pursued this and I was at complete peace. Mm-hmm. And every time that I'm not doing well, that I'm not at peace, it's because I haven't truly been endeavoring to align myself with his word. Yeah. It all goes back to devotion, like we were saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to be, you have to realign yourself with Christ all the time. Mm-hmm. It has to be continual. Yeah. That's what life is. Hmm. Thank you for listening to the From My Cup podcast. We hope that you'll join us for part two of Devotion on all your local podcasting sites. For easiest listening, join us on Spotify. Just search From My Cup and you'll find us. God bless you and thank you for listening.